getting into everything you need to know for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am in 2023. All right, just starting this video out with last week's recap, it was another successful week. And guys, these keep adding up. Eventually, there's going to be a bad week. It just hasn't happened yet. And maybe that's just part of the norm of this season is that it's just a very predictable season thus far in terms of making a profitable lineup. Uh, look at the sample lineups I put it out there on 9 to 5 Sports. Here's one of them. You know, this one ended up getting six for six across the cut line. And it's just one of those things where you keep having the right lineup approach for each tournament and you're going to yield some success. If we look at Max Homa as a winner, you know, it wasn't all too shocking to see Max Homa win. Uh, he had a win rank of sixth. Okay. And we have seen uh, over the past year now, uh, golfers that rank top eight or better in the nine to five model, especially win rank wise, uh, win about 50% of the time. So, you know, typically speaking, if you're working on uh, just the players that are expected to play well and do well, uh, betting wise, you're going to be successful or lineup wise as well. Uh, you look at the nine to five play and maximum was uh, six in the nine to five model as well. You look at the nine to five player pool as well. Nine out of the top 10 players in the 95 player pool ended up making the cut as well. So overall, you know, pretty successful week. And, you know, hopefully that will continue for this week for the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So with the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, it is a Pro-Am first and foremost, and it is going to be played on three different courses. We have Monterey Peninsula, okay, uh, which is typically one of the easier courses on the tour. We can see it is a par 72 course as well. We also have Spyglass Golf Course as well, another shorter track, and that's the thing. All three of these courses are going to be shorter tracks. They're all going to be pretty easy to score on for the most part. There's going to be lots of scoring opportunities. So we are looking at par five scoring as well. Just looking at some pictures for Pebble Beach, you know, beautiful course. And so looking at this tournament, we've had some pretty good success at this tournament in the past. One of my best outright winners really ever was Nick Taylor in 2020. He was someone that ranked out top 15 in the nine to five model that year. Uh, was really just one of those players that you kind of had to bet just given where uh, the odds were coming in on him, uh, you know, it's kind of an easy play that week. And then you look at the U.S. Open with Gary Woodland as well. It was kind of the exact same thing. Um, so I don't know if that's something to do with the sportsbooks kind of not um, correctly adjusting to this tournament or whatnot. Or did we just get extremely lucky? I, that's for you guys to decide. But it is a tournament in which has shown to be pretty predictable. So we kind of know which key stats that we should be looking at. So with that, we already know which key stats we should be looking at. We're looking at total driving and ball striking. Okay, this is very much a tournament in which you're hitting fairways, you're hitting greens, you're going to be successful. We want to be looking at birdie to bogey ratio as well because there are bogeys to be made out there. But we also want to be focusing on those, the scoring as well. That's why we are still looking at par five scoring, especially given the fact that a lot of the courses have four par fives. So they need to take advantage of those par fives. And then we will be looking at stroke scan approach. Also looking at that nine to five only stat effective scoring. Also have total putting factored in there as well. Um, just another kind of key stat that I like to look at for this week. And with that, the top key stats for this week are going to be number one, Victor Hovland. Number two, Jordan Spieth. Kind of shocking. We got Nick Hardy and Sam Stevens. Then we got David Lipsky, Thomas Dietrich, Alex Molly, Tom Hoagie, Keith Mitchell, Maverick McNeely, Scott Stallings, Kurt Kitayama, EVR, Grayson Sig, Matt Fitzpatrick, all popping in there. And so I did mention the kind of fact that this tournament is going to be a shorter track. So I thought a fun kind of key metric to show you guys is going to be looking at which players are the short core specialists. And number one popping up was Joel Damon. Damon. Damon? I always mess that up. And so if we go into the nine to five specialist tab, we can see all of them ranking out there. So we'll sort by course length. So yeah, uh, then Victor Hovland, then Maverick McNeely, Thomas Dietrich, Ben Griffin, 
Andrew Putnam, Alex Smalley. So Smalley's popped up there twice. Matt Fitzpatrick, David Lipsky as well. Uh, one interesting thing we could sort by as well is sort by location, which players have played the best in the California-based events. Victor Hovland, Nick Taylor popping up there, S.H. Kim. And I, I think, honestly, guys, S.H. Kim is popping up the same ways that Nick Taylor was the year that he won it. Um in terms of like form, and I'll touch on that at the end of this video. Uh, Taylor Moore looking pretty solid. Nate Lashley, Jordan Spieth, Maverick McNeely popping up there as well. And so to me, those are kind of the most key characteristics for this tournament, um, especially the length. Shorter track, we don't typically get those shorter tracks. You could look at like the seaside style courses as well. We can see Jordan Spieth is popping up in there. Uh, Lanto, Maverick McNeely, Troy Money Merritt popping up there. Okay. Uh, Brennan Todd. Taylor Moore, uh, Nick Taylor once again, so no shocks there. And we'll just show you guys who are the top specialists. And once again, this is just pulling in all this, uh, you know, key characteristic data for the course. And it is multiple courses, so do want to warn you guys against that. Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Putnam, Spieth, Dietrich, Moore, Ben Griffin, Hubbard. And as you guys can see, once, and this is why I do it this way, once we get all the data in there, it's more, you can see like the better players are going to be pulling into their tent, some random one-off players, okay? So I do just want to get into this point before we really dive into this tournament. This is a three course rotation and it is a pro-am event. With that, there could be some variance. You never know exactly how players can respond to a three row, three course rotation for one. And also with it being a pro-am event, you never know how they're going to respond to that. Okay. So if it's a more higher variance week, it would not be shocking in that sense. But now let's go ahead and touch on the top players in each price point tier. are going to be starting out with the high tier. As we can see, all the like really stud players are popping up here as expected. Um, if you guys want to play Jordan Spieth, he's going to be a player that makes a lot of sense um, coming in second best in the nine to five model. Um, and really that's going to be because of his last start there at the Sony open where he went first round lead, you know, hitting for us there and then missing the cut. Okay. Kind of just things all unraveled for him. He didn't really play too poorly. Um, just kind of mistakes that had a tumbling effect, snowball effect there. Uh, we can see he has great course history though, second, third, ninth, and I'm not pulling in that course history from the US Open, okay? I didn't think we needed to since it played differently and since we actually have a three course rotation rather than just playing on the same Pebble Beach um, course the whole time there. Uh, but he is coming in as a pretty good staff hit as well. Second best in the field, recent form could be better once again, uh, but great course history, great specialist, no shot that he's popping in as one of the top high tier plays on the slate. And guys, <laughs> from here, I mean, DraftKings, like just, they keep doing a better job at pricing slates uh, to the point where it's annoying, I guess, because like we could make arguments for Victor Hovland. We can make an argument for Matt Fitzpatrick. Personally, I think Matt Fitzpatrick is a great play. You could go back to Tom Hoagie who won this event last year. Okay. He's made three straight cuts in a row now. Uh, Seamus Power is someone I'm certainly looking at this week, though. Second best pick in the nine to five model this week, tied with Jordan Spieth, which probably is going to shock some few people, but top 10 specialists in the field. Love to see that has been in some pretty strong form as well uh the last two starts not great 45th 30th but then an eighth and a fourth place finish has some really good results at this tournament ninth last year miscut 38th place finish so we like that there from him key stat wise ranks out second and sixth in two key stats and then terribly in the other key stats so i'll go ahead and pop those up for you guys again 
the key stats are going to be strokes gain total effective scoring so in the field race out really well in those key stats but par five scoring and birdie to bogey ratio not that good in them and then we can see ball striking is being pulled in there as well so it, it could be a little bit more risk reward there with Seamus power but then at the same time we have um Andrew Putnam here, a guy that has been nine of fives, you know, cash cow. He's been the guy that we have played basically in every tournament thus far this season, and he hasn't let us down. A 36th place finish uh, last tournament, a fourth, a 21st, 35th, 48th, 29th, second, 12th. Like he is one of those players that if you look at it, you would say he is due for a win, and he's coming in looking like he could easily win as well. Uh, sixth place finish at this event last year, 55th, 38th. He was one of the players that really popped up specialist wise and on those short tracks. Like, you know, if he doesn't win this week, I'm going to be kind of bittersweet. Um, this would is kind of the perfect event for him to win. As long as it doesn't get too windy, which it doesn't look like it's going to, he should be a very strong play for us uh, this week. The the slight issue would be the staff hit, but nothing too alarming. Okay. You know, just solid across the board. So nothing too alarming there. I'm perfectly fine with uh, the stats pulling in their 32nd in the field. Then we look at Maverick McNeely, who I was kind of shocked to see him pulling in as the top player in the 9-5 to model. But if you look at it, it does make sense. In extremely great form, really across the board as well. You look at his past 15 starts, past 10 starts, past 7 starts, great form. Top 10 specialists in the field. You look at the course history, elite 33rd, 2nd, 5th, you know, good stuff there from him. Then Keith Statwise, really popping up Keith Statwise as well. He is also someone in which it wouldn't be shocking to see him finally put it all together. Like Andrew Putnam and Maverick McNeely kind of makes sense in a fair and balanced approach. And if you look at the winning lineup from last week, it was four players in this nine-tier price point tier and then two terrible value plays that made the cut. So you could easily end up going McNeely, Putnam, and maybe one of these other guys down here. Like that is going to be for you guys to decide. I know this wasn't as like decisive as it typically is, but it is pretty loaded on the top end. It just is. So let's go ahead and get into that mid-tier price point tier. So let me sort the slider here and guys this is a useful tool for anyone that kind of wants to get um maybe their player pool trimmed down you know trim the fat off of it great way to go about doing it so one of my favorite plays again this week is gonna be thomas dietry who as we can see was mispriced last week that's why he got price adjusted this high this week and although his finish last week wasn't elite it was still a top 30 finish which we would certainly have taken at his price tag and honestly i'd probably take that this week as well uh 8.8 maybe a little bit too priced up for him but sixth best staff in the field third best recent form in the field i mean he has just been put together some great starts and so he's gonna be someone at 8.8 especially if you are maybe trying to go more of a fair and balanced and maybe one um you know below 6k play thomas dietrich could be that player you're trying to roster he is someone that is an appealing play um i'll be trying to end up on him top five specials in the field the only worry with him no course history in the last four years you know you look at someone like max homa last week he had poor course history with only one top 20 finish okay but he had the course history you know and so we have seen that, yes, course history matters, especially the most recent start there, but just having experience at the tournament matters even more in terms of predictability. So that would be kind of the one um, takeaway from Dietrich is that he doesn't have that course history. So one player that I will be looking at just simply given the fact that he does have a course history is Alex Smalley. Now he missed the cut last year, but he did get that experience. Okay. So that should be able to help him kind of navigate the event. If you will, uh, we can see the recent form has been pretty solid for the most part, 37th, 22nd, 91st, 5th, 4th, 11th. Okay. So he had been some good form. You look at short, uh, term recent form and long-term recent form, all pretty solid top 20 specialists in the field really is just a solid play across the board. He is kind of a, uh, I wouldn't say he's exactly a shoulder shrug play where you end up on him, you feel good about it. And, uh, you 
don't really have to think about it. He is someone that I think we could try to go out of our way to play slightly, you know, uh, probably going to be like a mid exposure play to me. Okay. Which basically means like, if I need to target someone in this price point tier, I'm perfectly fine uh, ending up on Alex Smalley. And guys, how ugly is this that Trey Mullinax is popping up as a top 10 play? <laughs> it doesn't make you feel good, but he is someone that did play well on the tail end on the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, sure, he might've had some bad starts at the start of the regular season. Okay, transferring over from the Corn Ferry Tour, but I would say the recent starts from him are not that shocking given how well he played on the Corn Ferry Tour. So we see a 31st, 28th, and 4th place finish in his most recent starts. He is coming in, checking all the boxes. Okay, <laughs> like he is looking like a very solid play. I'm actually curious. Um, after I get done with this, I'm going to go to the data tag to see if he is coming in as a core play on the 9 to 5 data tag. But we can see it, guys. 20. 8th and 22nd place finishes, top 30 specialist, top 10 in course history rank, top 25 in recent form rank, top 20 staff fit. Uh, the, it's a good price point for him as well. He, he could be someone that sneaks onto my betting card, which honestly he could finish dead last and it wouldn't shock me, but at the same time, wouldn't shock me to see him in contention as well. So I'm curious. I'm going to take the filter off here real quick. Here are the core plays. And we got a decent amount, guys. Okay, so Victor Hovland, Andrew Putnam, McNeely. We got Taylor Moore popping up there as well and Trey Molinax. So very interesting. Then Taylor Moore is going to round out that mid-tier for me as well. Taylor Moore, one start here last year, 16th place finish. Uh, could be a better stat fit across the board, but top 25 in the field, top 27 in recent form rank. Um, you know, not the best starts, but not terrible. Does rank out top 15 and is a good specialist as well. And for what it's worth, I did mention Nick Taylor. You know, we were on him that year. He has really good course history here. And sure, his results lately have been kind of hit or miss. We can see that he had a sixth place finish uh, eight events ago and then a seventh place finish two events ago. Given the fact that he does play really well at tournaments like this, and we did see that he's a pretty good short course specialist, it wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good event. I wish he was about $300 cheaper. I'd feel much more comfortable rostering him, but he is still some of that ranks out pretty well uh you know top 25 play this week and now getting into the low tier guys i think this is going to be a pretty easy week to like narrow down the player pool to the players that you should be on uh, i don't think there's going to be as tight of a, a gray line you know some weeks it's like where do i make the cutoff on this player pool no i think the plays are going to be pretty straightforward uh and i would say andrew putnam at 7.1 is part of one of those plays Okay, Andrew Putnam had been a player that we had been rostering a decent amount, and even last week wasn't terrible. Uh, missed the cut on the number, 74th place finish. Um, and, you know, that's kind of what we were rostering him for last week. Uh, you were trying to get a make cut. You weren't trying to really get anything else. Whereas this week, with it being a shorter track, that should benefit him a decent amount. Uh, you look at specialist-wise, it doesn't exactly suggest that. And even key stat-wise doesn't exactly suggest that. Uh, but he is someone that long-term had not been playing great golf, but recently has been playing better golf. So I could see Andrew or Aaron Baddeley being someone that we are looking at. He would be, would be more of a shoulder shrug play. More of someone, if we end up on them, we're fine with it. Uh, and that's kind of how I see him as a play. Not someone going out of our way to play, but if we're closing out a build, perfectly fine. And he got bought him. From there, Troy Money Merritt. You know, he is looking like a uh, an interesting GPP play, isn't he not? Like, strong course history, okay? 4th, 16th, 25th, 33rd, okay? And he is someone that does just have these random spike weeks, okay? We saw a third place finish not too long ago. And that's, I mean, that's really it, guys. We, he's a GPP only play. He is someone that, you know, you'd probably be overweight on and you're literally just trying to chase him. And he is someone that, you know, it wouldn't be shocking to see in a GPP winning lineup. He is kind of at that price point where you look at the construction of 
winning GPP lineups and you look at player number five in those winning lineups, it's typically at this pricing tier and it's typically a player like this, 57th, where you're not exactly going out of your way to play him, but there has been some like upside with him, whether it's the course history, stat fit, obviously for Troy Merritt, it's that course history. So it just wouldn't be shocking to see him find it and you know potentially give you guys that GPP winning upside. But those two golfers are much more of price point plays. Uh, and the next three I'm going to give you guys here are going to be kind of safer plays. So Grayson Sig is someone that is really popping up and you kind of mentioned, or I kind of mentioned like the Nick Taylor makeup, you know, maybe a long shot bat that can win. It's kind of Grayson Sig. 90 to one odds are pretty good. So if you look at him, he is also kind of coming in, checking all the boxes besides the miscut in his last event. Before that, 48th, 15th, 42nd, 11th, 44th, 9th, you know, pretty good stuff there from him. If you look at the key stats, pretty good. Uh, stat fit wise, actually really good. Uh, second in strokes in total, fifth in effective scoring, 17th in birdie to bogey ratio as well. So really good stuff there from him. 33rd place finish at this event last year, top 20 specialist, you know, given the price tag, he is kind of like you know let's just say thomas dietrich like aaron Baddeley, like andrew putnam if we want to go further back where we might be forced into playing him uh just given how good of a play he is at this price tag you know the free mispriced plays that DraftKings was giving us you know two three four years ago are not exactly there anymore they have gotten much better at pricing really since they went away from just looking at world ranking uh but we still get some players like this. Grayson Sig is going to be one of those players for us this week. And then from there, it's going to be tough not to think about Russell Knox as a play. He's been someone that has either been making cuts or been right around a made cut. And, you know, given the fact that he has really strong course history in the cuts that he's made, we can see 33rd, 7th, miscut, and 14th. So if he makes the cut, we're probably going to get a top 20 finish. Look at the key stats. It would all kind of suggest that he is going to have a good week as well. Top 20 staff in the field. You already saw top 20 in course history rank, recent form rank, you know, not not terrible like we would take those results and look at his form across the board recent recent starts have been about the same as the you know past 15 events and he's a top 12 specialist in the field which kind of tells us why he's had good course history and then from there i just kind of want to pull up kim and will gordon i think these are two like kind of interesting gpp plays kim is someone that ranks how well specialist wise uh staff it wise you know could be a little bit better um, I don't know. I just feel like he is on the upslope of really good form and I, I just don't want to miss out on it. Kind of same thing for Will Gordon, who Will Gordon is looking like a good play as well. 21st place finish last year. Recent form wise, the last two starts are highly alarming. Okay, we get that. Uh, but we're chasing kind of the specialist there. We're chasing, all right, this is a much better course for him. And so we're going to try to chase that upside that we saw somewhat recently, 28th, 15th, and third. You know, those are all pretty strong finishes. So that is really what we'd be chasing here. Obviously, he'd be more of a GPP only play. And then Nick Hardy is popping up again as well. So Nick Hardy just in the field is looking like a pretty decent play coming in as one of the better staff fits. Recent form-wise, you know, not terrible. Once again, considering the field that we have, top 12 in the field, uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see him have a good week. He does have course experience, although it was a miscut. Uh, is someone that you could look at, but really, as you guys could see, I'm probably hammering the 9K price point range and then dipping down into like below 7.5. So that's why these players above 7.5, I might not be chasing that much of. All right, so now we're going to dip down into the value tier. Okay, so I'm going to use the data slicer once again. And what we're going to do is we're just going to sort by top 70 in the nine to five model because we just want to see those golfers that could make the cut pretty much. Okay, and if we can see, we have a decent amount of players that are popping up kind of in that range. Eric Barnes is a guy that's had two top 15 finishes in his last four starts. You could look at him. Adam Shank is a decent play across the board is someone that you could be looking at you know uh wouldn't it be shocked and see him play well i actually ranked on top 26 in the nine to five model so you know that would suggest that he is someone that we should be trying to play given his price tag we can kind of see why uh found form last week and prior to that you know kind of 
struggling and then three straight top 30 finishes two made cuts at this tournament and a missed cut and you know at a 7k price point tag you're really just trying to get a made cut and it's kind of the data is kind of suggesting that we would begin to make cut out of Adam Shank at 7K. So that is something you could chase. You look at someone like Mark Harbord, who is definitely much more of a specialist. He is someone that was on everyone's betting card at the start of the season because he had been trending in the right direction for some time. He's made a cut in his last two starts, and we can see the finishes at this tournament have gotten better each year, which I always like to see. Really, if you'd be playing him, you're chasing the specialist data there. Um, obviously, the form has been terrible as of recent, but this is a much better course for him. Okay. He does have ties to California as well, so maybe that benefits him too. I personally think Henrik Norlander is a very interesting play. Specialist-wise, 41st in the field. Recent form-wise, and I like to see this, like his missed cuts haven't been bad missed cuts, and he does have strong course history, 26th and 25th. So obviously, if we're trying to find a value play, we can see why Henrik Norlander is a play that's kind of popping up to me. So definitely someone I think we could end up on. So I guess I could mention Dylan Fratelli as well, looking like a decent play as well. Um, not terrible. But let's go ahead and give you guys kind of the core plays for this week. So by now, if you guys follow my coverage, you know my strategy. I like to stick with the players that have gotten me there that have made this a successful season already. Andrew Putnam is one of those players. He just continues to be the correct play and his price point has finally adjusted to the production that he has been giving us. Now, I am willing to pay up for him at this price tag, even though it kind of feels like a trap um, because he does have good results at this tournament. Three straight make cuts and a top 10 finish last year. He's been someone that has been playing some really strong, phenomenal golf lately. Okay, 36th place finish, 4th, 21st, 35th, 48th, 29th, 2nd, 12th. Like the form has been there. If we look at the past 15 starts, top 10 in recent form rank. We look at the past five starts, also top 10 in recent form rank. So really just strong across the board. Third best specialist in the field. You know, that is really looking good for Max Home as a comparison was top five in specialist last week. Okay. Of course, history rank 15th. Stat rank could be a little bit better. But once again, there's nothing really alarming, okay? Given the fact that he's a strong specialist, I'm kind of willing to ignore the fact that he's not like eye-poppingly good staff wise. There's nothing alarming about his stats, okay? There's just nothing to lead either. Top six play in the nine to five model, has ties to California, should be a very strong play this week. Another core play is obviously going to be Maverick McNeely, the player ranking on number one in the nine to five model. You know, it's shocking to me, maybe shocking to you guys as well, but he has the California ties, top eight specialists in the field. Second best course history, finishing 33rd, second, fifth. I mean, just really elite stuff there. Stat fit wise, really ranking out well. Okay. His worst stat fit on the week is going to be 16th. Okay. So really strong there. Model rank first in the field. Okay. Just tough not to like him as a play this week and highly consistent as well. Okay. This pains me. And I know it's ugly and I, I don't feel like I should trust it, but I do. And this is kind of where I just need to maybe not look at the name. Trey Molnax core play 8.1. It's ugly, guys. It's very ugly. But the course history is there. 28th and 22nd place finishes. The recent form has been there as well. 31st, 28th, and 4th. Top 10 play. Tough to pass up on that. This price tag. And then I kind of feel like we should make Joel a core play as well. I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like Putnam and McNeely are pretty obvious plays. We could see why Trey Molnax was someone else pulling in. And and then from there, we get a lot of plays that are very similar given their price tags. And I would say he's about the same, but the strong course history is one I'm chasing here. 6th, 60th, 14th. Pretty strong stat fit um, here. If we pull in some of the secondary stats, that's kind of where he's hurting here. 
Um, still not terrible. You look at his last few starts, and he did withdraw in his previous event. But besides that, had been in some good form. I mean, I, I, I get, good form is a uh, is not the correct word. I mean, great form. Fifth, ninth, third, sixteenth, like really strong there. So if it wasn't for that withdrawal, I'd feel much better about him as a play. So let's go ahead and give you guys a first look build. And so real quick, another player that's kind of popping out to me is uh, Justin Saw here. He's a player that really played well in the Corn Ferry Tour. Uh, his recent starts have been, you know, make cuts, and that's really what we like. Uh, he is a California guy. Um, you know, just want to be shocking to see him continue to make starts. We can see over his last five starts, ranks out top 25 in the field. Kind of considering his price tag, given the fact that he is the top player on the Corn Ferry Tour, I like him as a play at this price tag. If I'm playing Trey Molinax, I kind of feel like I have to play Justin Suh. So right now, this is kind of what my roster construction is looking like. I am struggling to close it out. I might punt to like Norlander, and obviously I don't like that, but this is kind of like scheduling in a miscut. It's kind of why I did last week with someone like Scott Piercy, and actually I don't mind Scott Piercy as a play this week as well. I feel like he is more of a cash type play, so he could do something like this, but then we have a lot of salary left over. So let's get off of Norlander. And so here is what a very ugly first look build would look like. Okay. And that, that would be the struggle of paying up for a bunch of studs. And then here's what it would look like on the nine to five lineup builder. And it's, it's, it's deciding like, do we play Trey Molinax or not? Because then it, it gets much harder there. I'm still trying to decide that because I know I want to be on Putnam, McNeely and Trey Molinax. So maybe let's go off a of diamond and then we'll just make it the ultimate nine to five lineup ever. Nick Taylor, <laughs> Trey Mullinax, Troy Merritt. You could go Scott Piercy, McNeely, Justin Suck. It's, it's an interesting week. I did not see that lineup approach coming when I started this video. All right, but that's all I have for this video. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, you know what to do. Give a like and subscribe. That helps me continue to be able to pump out more content for you guys. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. Hopefully you guys have a good week. So have a good weekend as always. Let's keep cashing.